Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. If there's one thing we can't change, it's the weather. It does whatever it wants to, and all we can do is grin and bear it. Florida will always face hurricanes in the summer. Minnesota can plan on sub-zero winters every January and February. In Iran, where temperatures can reach up to 128 degrees Fahrenheit, high winds are a given. These winds, which can gust as high as 70 miles an hour or more, kick up sand and dust, resulting in some pretty devastating sandstorms. When that happens, day turns to night as the sand sweeps through towns, knocking over trees, taking out power lines, and swallowing cars, or even people. They're a deadly nuisance, but also a fact of life, and it's been that way for thousands of years. But if you look at the top of an old wall in the small village of Nashtafan, you'll see how the Iranian people have learned to live with these dust-ups, and how they've used them to drive innovation. The town's name is appropriate, too. Nashtafan translates roughly as storms sting. The winds that blow there can be powerful and damaging, but Nashtafan has found a way to harness them into something more constructive. The people there built 65-foot-tall vertical windmills that look more like revolving doors than an energy source, and there's a reason for their unique design. The windmills were constructed on a vertical axis, unlike the kinds of windmills we're used to seeing in America, ones with a large fan spinning at the head of a tower. Instead, long planks were arranged side by side and fastened to the post, like boat paddles standing up, and then arranged around a single tall column. When the wind blows, the paddles catch the air and turn the central post. This does two things. First, the array of windmills slows the wind down, throttling its speed through a bottleneck. The village on the other side is spared from the worst of any storms passing through, saving them from the usual devastation. And second, grindstones beneath the columns turn as well, grinding grain into flour. And these devices that use power derived only from the wind are impressive. They possess no extra motors or turbines, functioning only on what nature provides. But it doesn't look like Iran's deep dive into alternative energy will last much longer. No, they won't be switching to natural gas or fossil fuels. It's just that there's only one man who maintains the windmills, and no one has offered to follow in his footsteps when he's gone. Because of that, out of the hundreds that used to stand there, only a handful are still around today. It's hard for just one man to keep them all operating, after all, especially since they're made of wood, clay, and straw. Oh, and they're also over a thousand years old. Yes, these vertical-axis windmills, a design used in state-of-the-art wind turbines coming out of research companies today, got their start in ancient Persia around 500 AD. They still work just as they did back then, too. It's just a shame that they'll probably disappear in a few years, unless someone volunteers to take over their maintenance. It's not clear what will happen to the village when they eventually fall apart. Perhaps they'll build new versions in their place, ones made of metal and plastic that can withstand higher wind speeds and generate power for the village. But it won't be the same. That any of these artifacts still exist at all is a testament to their construction 
and the ingenuity of the people who built them. After all, the old cliché has never been more true. They sure don't make them like they used to. Don't shoot the messenger. It's a common saying with a simple meaning. Don't blame the person bearing the bad news for simply doing their job. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened to two American scientists working in Peru back in 1962. No, they weren't shot, don't worry. They just wanted someone to listen to their advice. They were working in the Ancash region of Peru, on the western edge of the country. Within that area is a town called Yungay, nestled in among the mountains. Although small, the town boasts a population of over 10,000 people, and it holds a place in history as the site of a major battle during the War of Confederation in 1839. Also, thanks to an American archaeologist named Thomas Lynch, we're aware of evidence from 10,000 years ago that Yungay was one of the original locations where American agriculture began. But the town's history hides a darkness beneath the surface one that had gone unspoken for eight years before the unthinkable happened. David Bernays and Charles Sawyer were American geologists studying the nearby mountains there. Specifically, they were focused on Horescaran, the highest peak in Peru, which towered over Yungay from less than 10 miles away. While they were there, they noticed something concerning about the mountain, specifically one section of it. If the vertical slab on the north side ever collapsed, it would crush the town beneath it. So the scientists took their findings to the local newspaper, which published their report. Now, you would think that might have sparked some kind of investigation or even an evacuation. The number of potential casualties was unthinkable. Somebody had to listen. Except nobody did. They never got the chance. The Peruvian government got wind of the geologists' reports and ordered them to print a retraction. What they'd proposed was impossible. It would cause mass panic and chaotic riots, and if the two men wouldn't listen, they'd be arrested. So rather than face jail time, Bernays and Sawyer fled the country, never to speak of their findings to anyone again. And that was it. For years, the town of Yungay went on about its business without fear. Maybe those scientists had just been wrong. After all, Horescaran was an enormous mountain peak that had been there for eons. It wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And then in May of 1970, eight years after publishing their predictions, an earthquake occurred around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It started off the coast of Peru and devastated the entire Ancash region, including the town of Yungay. Roads collapsed, buildings were reduced to rubble, and all communications were destroyed. But perhaps worst of all was what happened to the northern wall of Horescaran. That vertical slab the geologists had warned everyone about did fall. The resulting avalanche sent more than 50 million cubic meters of glacial ice, rock, and snow down the mountain, an unstoppable deluge that buried Yungay. Over 20,000 souls were lost that day. Most of the bodies were never recovered. The government declared the town a national cemetery and prohibited workers from excavating in the area. We may never know what might have happened if the government had actually listened or how many lives might have been spared if the town had been evacuated earlier. Rather than a mass grave, 
The demise of the city could have just been an interesting footnote to one of the worst natural disasters to ever strike the region. But it sadly turned out to be much more than that, due to the inaction and denial from the people at the top who could have helped the most. Instead, it will go down as perhaps the greatest preventable disaster in history, predicted by two men who just wanted to help. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.